Hey everyone, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this, of course, is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. And I really mean it, whoever. So, this is going to be completely unscripted, and uh, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I did save some stories, so maybe I'll pull a few of those and uh, go over them. And it's 10.24 as I'm recording this on Sunday night, so I don't know how realistic it is that I'll get it out to you guys before midnight. Uh, If worse comes to worse, I'll just uh, publish it tomorrow. I felt bad about giving you guys uh, basically two scripted TV reviews in a row. And I know not everyone's into that. A lot of you guys prefer the unscripted episodes or the news story episodes. And I'm just looking at my feed now. It looks like I didn't give you guys two scripted TV review episodes in a row. I gave you three. Uh, Because back uh, near the end of September, I published an Atheist Reviews Raised by Wolves. And then, wow, I didn't get another episode out until October 11th. And I apologize for being so slow to get new content out to you guys. The podcast remains my passion, but it seems like ever since the lockdown was lifted, that work with my brother has kind of really picked up, which is good and bad. It means more hours, which means a bigger paycheck, but at the same time, it means less free time, and I'm not crazy about my job, and I'd rather be doing things I love, you know, like the show. So I've been trying to work around my day job, you know, that I have some other real-world stuff going on. But yeah, I didn't get another episode out until October 11th, and that was an Atheist Reviews the Raised by Wolves season finale. And then Saturday, um, I just published uh, basically the same episode, except with, with, some, uh, with some corrections. It took me about a week to finish the YouTube version of the uh, review of the season finale. And as I was putting it together, I had to go back and rewatch some of the episodes in order to grab some screenshots for the YouTube version. And as I was watching the show back, I noticed little things I had missed or gotten wrong. So I went in and, you know, added some corrections. And so when I was done with that, I thought, you know, you know me and corrections, I thought, why not uh, release an audio version of the uh of the edited version as well. And so even though Raised by Wolves does, you know, have to do with atheism and religion, I figured, you know, TV reviews probably on everyone's cup of tea, or maybe you just don't care for that particular show. And so I felt like, you know, I owe you guys a a fresh uh, episode, and maybe it should be unscripted, you know, as a kind of change of pace from the last three, two or three Uh, scripted episodes. And then last night I recorded an unscripted Patreon bonus show and I drank on the show. It was actually my first time touching alcohol, you know, that I've had an alcoholic beverage since February. (laughs) So a long time. And uh, it seems like I still have a heavy hand though. I still (laughs) poured a lot of rum in there and I was taken back a bit by the bite of the liquor, but it wasn't unpleasant. It's like the booze was saying, Welcome back. But yeah, it was an interesting episode. I talked about how last week on my birthday, I got into an altercation with some guy in a parking lot. Uh, So that was a thing. And I think uh, I talked about a mess of other things that I can't remember right now. Uh, Oh, ironically, one of the things I was talking about is uh, memory issues. So there you go. 
I'm trying to think if there's any more house cleaning to take care of. Cleaning or keeping? How's the saying go? <laughs> I think uh, Sam Harris uses that all the, all the time, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I know I pretty much failed to maintain that new format schedule where I do two news story episodes, a kind of deep dive or documentary episode, and originally uh, the first Raised by Wolves review was meant to be last month's kind of deep dive or documentary episode uh, then things just kind of fell apart I wasn't able to get uh, new content out on time then I was blown away by the finale uh, the season finale and so I want to kind of react to that and uh, here we are now so I don't know what to do about that format I don't know if anyone even cares if I stick to it or not I'm really thankful for everyone who listens to this show for everyone who takes the time to subscribe or watch the YouTube version. And I really want to be a show that you dedicated listeners or viewers really enjoy. So I'm completely open to suggestions. So if you have any format ideas, if there's a certain type of content you like or don't like, you know, feel free to let me know. I'd actually appreciate the uh, the feedback or the input. And it's funny, for a while I've been thinking about trying to reach more people by putting the podcast on different platforms like iHeartRadio or Spotify. And um, I knew there was one obstacle. On Podbean, in my feed, I have a few video episodes. Because I remember I was all excited when back in the day I found out that I could also, uh, that the feed wasn't restricted to audio files, that you could also, you know, toss a video in there and people could watch uh, video, ver you know, video episodes through iTunes. But a while back, I discovered that most other platforms don't want you to have a mixed media feed. Uh, most of them want audio only and furthermore, MP3s uh, specifically, or the MP3 format. And for most of the time that, you know, I've been doing this podcast for years and years now, it's scary. I think it's roughly around eight years. I've been using GarageBand both to record the episodes and to export them. And so I was using uh, iTunes native format to export the episodes, which, what is it? It's like M4V or something like that. I think I have roughly around 400 episodes, uh, you know, if you include the unnumbered holiday and bonus episodes. And so, you know, if I choose to follow through, it's probably going to be quite the Herculean effort, you know, because I'll either have to go through the episodes one by one and convert them to MP3s, or I suppose I could make it a bit easier on myself and just absolutely gut the lion's share of the library that took almost a decade to accumulate. Just thinking about it hurts a bit, you know, uh, because despite how hard I can be on myself and kind of question the quality of my own episodes, it's still, you know, knowing that you have all those episodes behind you. If I suddenly deleted the majority of them just so I can start putting the podcast on additional platforms, that's, uh, that, might, that might hurt a bit, you know what I mean? So I'm not sure. Maybe I'll like go through them and because Podbean lets you download the files, maybe I'll 
you know, maybe if I go through them and there's some that I just think are absolute crap, I can just ditch them. If there's some that, you know, I think dec decent might have some merit, I can convert them to MP3s. Um, in another way, you know, it might be kind of nice, like a spring cleaning, even though technically it's fall, you know, getting rid of uh, the lion's share or kind of separating the chaff from the wheat and leaving the kind of best episodes up there. You know what I mean? So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to think about it. And part of the impetus for wanting to push the show more is that I've been noticing my Podbean numbers drop again. I was going to say a bit, but it's more than a bit. And I think I complained about this already on the show, maybe about a month ago or so. But it was as if all of a sudden my weekly number of hits was halved. As if I was only reaching, you know, half of the uh, the listeners that I usually do or whatever. Or only, you know, half the amount of people were still actively seeking out and listening to or downloading the newest episodes. And so... Part of me thinks it's most likely some kind of algorithm issue, either on iTunes end or Podbean's end. And uh, believe me, I'm not under any you know delusions of grandeur. Uh, I can totally imagine that someone might get sick of, uh, you know, listening to the podcast, or that maybe you know I might have um, changed things or changed the format a bit, or been talking about. Uh, politics too much and that turned off you know some listeners but it seems too much for that it would be weird if you know i brought up politics on a couple of episodes or implemented a new format that wasn't too different than the old format and that suddenly overnight lost like half my listeners i don't know but speaking of bringing up politics on the show is anyone else just completely burnt out on politics it is so kind of stressful, you know what I mean? I think all the political division, it just kind of wears you down. And uh, for someone like myself, and if you're a listener of this show, you're probably of the same ilk, who really values reason and fact-based evidence, you know, it seems like we're living in a post-fact world. Uh, and there's so many people out there that seems like can't be reasoned with. And you have QAnon and all this crap. You have, uh, you know, I'm trying not to get political, but you have Trump who will basically say anything as long as it's expedient for him and his base will just lap it up. It's also crazy that I'm basically, at this point, I'm like, the election is like two weeks away. Screw politics, man. You know, and, let, and I already decide if I'm going to throw that format schedule out the window... Um, I might as well do away with a dedicated politics section, too, and just cover politics, you know, when it happens to intersect with religion, when I'm covering religious news stories. And I think there's probably going to be plenty of that today. <sighs> yeah. Wow. It's just all so stressful. And speaking of news stories, I have a bunch to choose from here. Uh, maybe I'll just cover three keep the show relatively short. For me, that probably means at least 40-something minutes. Uh, could be up to an hour. We'll see how it plays out. This first one is kind of funny, and I actually posted this to the Weekend Out Facebook page, and it's dated October 17th, so yesterday. What, okay, no, it's entitled, Atheists Call for Removal of Jesus Painting from Shreveport, Louisiana Police Department. And, uh, Shreveport, is that where True Blood took place? 
I used to love that show. I forget. Yeah, I think it is Shreveport. I just looked it up. Anyway, so the story starts. Why is this, the painting that people at the Shreveport Police Department in Louisiana decided to hang up in the same hallway where members of the public, quote-unquote, wait to be interviewed by police officers? And I'm trying to see if this one is actually by Hemant Maida. Yeah, it is. Uh, if I fail to mention it, this is from uh, his friendly atheist. Uh, I keep referring to them as channels. You know, Patheos is kind of this umbrella for all these, uh, I thought they used to refer to them as channels, but they're kind of like different blog pages or whatever. Um, but this is from Hemant Made His Friendly Atheist. It's not just a religious image. The story of Jesus, at least in theory, is about a guy who was tortured to death for unjust reasons and about forgiving criminals for their actions. That's the opposite of how the law ought to work. Religion, maybe, but not the justice system. In any case, the Freedom From Religion Foundation wants that painting to come down. They write in a letter that people who are sworn to uphold the law shouldn't be breaking it. And here's a quote. The Supreme Court has said time and again that the First Amendment mandates government neutrality between religion and religion. And at first I thought that was a typo. It seemed, you know, it reads very awkwardly. But I think it means not being biased or in favor of one religion over the other. And between religion and non-religion, FFRF legal fellow Brendan Johnson writes to Shreveport Police Chief Ben Raymond, it is inappropriate for the department to display this religious content because it conveys government support for religion. Such displays also convey a message to non-Christians that they are quote-unquote outsiders, not full members of the political community, and an accompanying message to adherents that they are insiders, favored members of the political community, to quote the Supreme Court. The Shreveport Police Department serves all citizens, regardless of their personal religious beliefs. FFRF, Freedom From Religion Foundation, also notes that there are a quote-unquote series of poems entitled My Story of Jesus that have been posted in common workspaces. It's not just a painting then, it's a systemic issue. If the painting was just a donation or gift, then I have no doubt there are creative satanic or atheist artists who would love to contribute a painting for the cause. I'm just imagining like a some kind of black and gray Giger-esque uh, Baphomet painting hanging in a Louisiana police department. And so now we get to the fun part. Uh, the weirdest part of this story is just the painting itself. So it's kind of like, you know, your classic kind of gaudy, white, Ted Nugent-esque uh, Jesus, you know, looking up at the sky all sad. <laughs> and... Uh, it almost looks, I don't, I don't think it's actually a black velvet painting, but it kind of has that gaudy, like tacky appearance, like it's painted on black velvet or something. But the weirdest part is like beneath Jesus's chin running down to his sternum. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. It looks like there's like a gory opening, like a, uh, a vertical slit. Almost, uh, this isn't a swear, almost some kind of nightmare vagina neck. And uh, I don't know why it's there. And and this isn't just me trying to pick on Christianity or something. Uh, go to, you know, hunt this image down on the net. I'll include it in the YouTube version. It really looks like there's like a reddish slit down Jesus's neck. 
it almost makes it look like some kind of weird, surreal horror type of image. I don't know what's going on there. Almost like some Hellraiser thing going on. <laughs> like he should have little hooks and chains there. Is this some kind of existing Christian iconography I'm not aware of? I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah, weird stuff. And then there was another interesting story I saved, but I'll probably just mention it in passing because I could probably devote a whole episode to this. But this one actually came from Live Science, and it was entitled, uh, Was Jesus a Magician? Which I thought was interesting. And I just scanned it, but it looks like it goes into something that I've been fascinated with for, you know, years. Um, the idea that in Jesus' time, you know, wandering or traveling uh, miracle or wonder workers were pretty common. I know there's other famous figures like Honey the Circle Drawer, and of course uh, there's the stories about Simon Magus. I think uh, famously, is it a duel between um, Simon Peter and Simon Magus, I think, or something like that? And yeah, I think, uh, I don't, it's not that I think actual miracles are occurred back in the ancient world, but belief in miracles and stories about people performing miracles or wonders were pretty common. I think sometimes they were even attributed to Roman emperors. I think, wasn't, uh, was it Vespasian who was said to uh, perform the laying on of hands and stuff like that? And of course, um, there was the cult of the emperor and the deification of uh, Roman emperors, etc., then there was another story from The Friendly Atheist I saved, but I think it's just way too depressing to cover. It was uh, entitled, Netherlands Supports Medically Assisted Dying for Terminally Ill Children. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's just such a, a depressing topic. Um, and I think usually I'm against euthanasia for people who aren't legal adults. But um, if a child's in absolutely nightmarish agony and they're, you know, in the process of dying anyway and you can ease their suffering in their final moments by quickening things, I guess. I, yeah, I mean, it's such a morbid and depressing topic, but yeah, I, I save that, but I don't think I want to, I don't want to cover that. And this is a story that I saw popping up everywhere yesterday or last night. Uh, and this one definitely gets political, but it does have to do with religion a bit too. And this is from uh, CNN, CNN Travel to be specific. And uh, it's by Gustavo Valdez, I think it is. Maybe I'm pronouncing that wrong. Mexican restaurant takes political stand with sign declaring no love, no tacos. A Mexican restaurant in a small town in Iowa has wrapped itself in the middle of political discourse after some customers of the popular eatery took offense to a yard sign the owner placed outside. The sign advocated equality and social justice, but some found it too politically correct and wrote letters to the owner, Alfonso Medina. Instead of taking it down, Medina placed a much bigger one using only four words and accidentally started a movement about love, tacos, and politics. I just meant to respond with good humor, said Medina, owner of La Carada, probably butchered that, Mexican Grill. Uh, it, says, it has been serving, I'm not going to pronounce it a second time, it has been serving Mexican food for 20 years in Marshalltown, a small community about 50 miles northeast of Des Moines. Medina took over the family restaurant business a couple of years ago. His parents migrated from Mexico more than three decades ago, and he was born in Iowa. Made in Mexico, delivered in the U.S., he said. 
The restaurant has stayed open during the pandemic, and its employees stayed on the job, since Iowa is one of a handful of states that never shut down businesses completely. We've been lucky to have great support from the community, Medina said. But things got interesting in August when Medina placed a small black sign with rainbow letters at the entrance of the parking lot that said, We believe black lives matter, no human is illegal, science is real, women's rights are human rights, and a few other things. I didn't think there was anything bad, he said, admitting that his wife called him quote-unquote brave for placing the sign in front of the business. So yeah, I don't know if I'd have the testicular fortitude to put a sign like that outside my business if I was some Mexican dude in you know the middle of Iowa or whatever. Maybe I'm being unfair to um, people who live in rural America or in the Midwest or whatever. Um, you know, I'm being too, you know, I'm stereotyping a bit. Maybe there are more left-leaning people than I would imagine. But I just picture some like farmer and blue overalls and like a flannel cap walking up to that sign and being like, what the hell is that? What in tarnation is this? But I'm looking at the picture of the sign now. Yeah, I was seeing this all over the place last night. And so, um, yeah, it's like a multicolored sign. It says, we believe black lives matter. No human is illegal. Love is love. Women's rights are human rights. Science is real. And that was when I'm like, thank you. There's still sane people you know, out there, science is real. And, and then it says, uh, water is life. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. But yeah, so of course they, you know, caught a bunch of flack for it. And uh, what really caught my attention is one letter they received. There's a picture of the letter. The, the first part of it is typed. I don't know if I'll read the whole, the whole thing. Everyone should know La Carada, once again, probably butchering that, has gone completely politically correct. Leftist Marxist. Uh, you hear that all the time now, leftist Marxist. Just look at their rainbow sign, we believe, right there in the driveway entrance. Do they even realize how offensive this sign is to their patrons of many years who believe in family values, America, baby lives, uh, legal immigration, etc.? And then there's a handwritten or printed note at the bottom. Here is a review that we should put up on the Chamber of Commerce website. One star rating for disrespecting your customer base. This sign insults and disrespects Christianity and America, and we are so sorry you have chosen this path. And so there's a few different things I could see Christians taking issue with on the sign. But I remember kind of joking to myself last night um, that... Was it the science is real part that offended them? I mean, the love is love thing is probably a reference to, you know, homosexuality, um, gay acceptance, uh, acceptance of the LGBTQ community. Um, so obviously kind of uh, hardcore Christians are going to have uh, an issue with that. Although I think, you know, obviously they shouldn't. I tend to believe that uh, homosexuality is at least in part, you know, nature. It's probably genetic to some degree. And um, even if it wasn't, I mean, if two consenting adults of the same sex want to share their lives together or, you know, romantically, or even if they want to hook up for a night, you know, I don't care. Why should anyone else care? You know what I mean? Uh, there might be some kind of environmental or societal factors that play into sexual orientation. But I think largely it probably is genetic. And um, 
if it's and people often say homosexuality isn't natural but i think if it occurs all over the place in nature and it's probably been with us since time immemorial before we were even human i'd call it natural if it's not hurting anyone let people love who they want to love you know what i mean and then women's rights are human rights so that's probably a reference to reproductive rights so abortion so obviously once again uh christians especially hardcore christians are gonna have a problem with that and I've spoken about this a number of times on the show. I don't even really see a lot of biblical support for an anti-abortion stance. And there's even that one passage in the Old Testament where it seems like there's this test that pregnant women are given uh, or can be given. Uh, you know, it's it's in the Bible, but was it actually practiced? I don't know. But there's a story about how if you're... If your wife is pregnant and you're not sure whether the baby or not is yours, you bring her to the temple and the priest gives her this concoction. I think it's referred to as bitter waters or something like that. And and it's kind of an, an abortifacient. And so the thinking, the superstitious thinking was, if your wife was true to you and it's your kid, um, it'll be fine. But if the baby was conceived in adultery, then the abortifacient will cause a miscarriage or, termina or terminate the pregnancy. And I don't think the New Testament has much to say about, uh, about abortion. Um, I mean, you could probably stretch and say something when Jesus mentions, you know, whoever harms, um, you know, talking about the children, whoever harms these or whatever, this and that. But uh, the Bible doesn't seem too concerned with abortion. I've mentioned before, life was probably pretty darn tough back then. And so in the Old Testament, there even seems to be passages that seem to say, like, a child doesn't have the full value of a human life, of an adult life, until they reach a certain age. And that probably had something to do with the high prevalence of infant mortality or something like that. You know what I mean? But somewhere along the way, um, Christians really got all caught up in this anti-abortion thing. And I get it. Yeah, you know, we should value human life. And abortion, I think, is inherently negative because whether you believe it has the full value of a human life, you know, at the point of conception or whatever, um, scientifically speaking, it is a developing life. So yeah, terminating a developing life is, I think, inherently negative. And the fewer abortions, the better, right? But I think women should have bodily autonomy and they should be able to choose for themselves. And I think no one takes abortion more seriously than the women who have to make that decision. And if it might sound like an old talking point, but if you make abortion illegal, women are just going to start, you know, finding illegal and more dangerous, you know, ways to obtain an abortion or maybe even... um going over the the border or if they can afford it going to other countries you know what i mean and this is probably old news by now but since i did my last news story episode a lot has transpired we had that bizarre horrendous presidential debate then right on the heels of that we had trump getting covid and so people have been talking about this for probably more than a week now 
And uh, this is from CBS News, and it's entitled, COVID treatment Trump touted as a quote-unquote cure was developed using cells derived from aborted fetal tissue. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of a nice segue from that. Uh, I don't know if nice is the right word, but we went from a story about abortion to this. The antibody cocktail that President Trump received for his COVID-19 infection and touted on Wednesday evening as a quote-unquote cure for the deadly virus was developed using cells derived from aborted fetal tissue, a practice the White House and anti-abortion rights groups oppose. Last week, Mr. Trump received Regeneron, which sounds like something from like Dragon Ball Z or Transformers, like some kind of <laughs> self-healing android made out of uh, cells or something. Um, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals cocktail of monoclonal antibodies. I almost tripped over that one, but I caught myself. An experimental therapeutic for coronavirus that is still undergoing testing and is not FDA approved. In a nearly five-minute video posted to Twitter on Wednesday, the president lauded its effects, calling it, quote-unquote, the key. I think this was a blessing from God that I caught the virus. I think it was a blessing in disguise, Mr. Trump said in the video. I caught it. I heard about this drug. I said, let me take it. And it was incredible the way it worked. And I don't know why my Trump sounds like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> um... Yeah, but it doesn't seem like he really... I wonder if he knew or what he thought, you know, after the fact. Let me stick a straw in the back of the fetus's neck and suck them sweet cells out. Melania, do these come in six packs? It's like a salty Capri Sun. Now it got even weirder. That's not even Bernie Sanders anymore. But hashtag saved by science. Is that a thing? I don't even know. Anyway, I'll probably call it quits with that. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I got a, a new story episode to you guys. Uh, I know it probably seems like I was kind of punishing you with three TV reviews, scripted TV reviews in a row. So you guys know the drill. You can like the Facebook page. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, even though I, I'm not really on there. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you want to support the show... You can go to, no, I was about to, that old alliteration, it's been so long. You can go to the bottom of the Podbean page and use the PayPal widget and uh, support the show that way. Or an easier way might be just to go to patreon.com slash doubt and support the show for as little as 99 cents a month and quit anytime you want. All right, brothers and sisters, until next time.